Wow, that's pretty cool, isn't it? 14 of our own. Yeah, give them a hand. 14 of our own in Latacunga, and they have been there. Um, they've been there about four or five days, and they have done an amazing work there. Did anybody find it a little strange that they're building a church and there's a church inside of the church? Did you notice that? And that's because that's the original church, and they have outgrown that. And now they're going to, yeah, isn't that awesome? And now they've got this big church. It's beautiful, and uh, we're so thankful for our team. They still have more to do, more work to do, but you be in, you be in prayer for them. Um, I need to jump right in just because with, uh, my task before me this morning is a little daunting. Um, I want to begin by uh, a series this morning on the prayers of the Bible. And um, I just want to say right up front, this is a church that believes in prayer. Okay, now let, let me just tell you, the first service, they were like a little, they didn't have their coffee yet. You know what I'm saying? Y'all had coffee? Yeah. All right, so I got to hear a lot of amens today. So this is a church that believes in prayer. Yeah. Um, I'm amazed at how many different people pray in this place, how many different groups. We've got people that come in early in the morning, mid, in the day, evening. I mean, it's just a lot of groups that pray. They, there's a lot of people that pray for me. And uh, this is a pastor who just depends on prayer. I need prayer. Um, in two weeks, I want to announce that in two weeks, we are going to get ready to do your amen thing because you're going to need some help on this one. In two weeks, we're going to begin a 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. Amen. You know, this crowd right here is a little better today than this crowd. Y'all, y'all need to just get with it. I'm just saying that right now. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to start uh, uh, 21 days leading us up to our uh, one day on April 5th, and then that will, then Easter's the following week. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do 21 days of fasting. I'll tell you more about that next week, but it's, it's going to start in two weeks. Uh, fasting is doing without something that we would normally give ourselves to um, for a specific period of time, for a specific spiritual, powerful encounter with God. And, and so this is going to be a great time, and I just want to encourage you to jump in with that. Um, because fasting can do things like break poverty in people's lives. See, Jesus said there are some things that only come about with prayer and fasting. And so there, there's something about when you are in an encounter with God and, and you focus on him and you're giving up something, and every time that desire comes from that, you know, so like if I'm giving up, maybe some people would give up like meat. And so every time I'm hungry for like a big steak, I just pause and I say, God, as much as I think I need that, I need you more. And there is something about that that is powerful. Usually for me about the third day, there is something that triggers in me and I am more sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm more sensitive to things that I need to do, decisions I need to make. My heart becomes more compassionate. Um, and so we're going to jump into that. We want this to be an all-church endeavor. It, it doesn't have to be like you just don't eat for 21 days. I'm not encouraging that, all right? Um, it could be a specific food, as I mentioned, meat, candy, pop, you know, sweets, whatever. Um, it could be an activity like you give up Facebook. Woo, wouldn't that be a spiritual endeavor, right? Um, or how about if we just quit watching the news? That'll lift our spirits, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, could be, it could be maybe you don't text for 21 days. You don't get on the Internet for 21 days. Maybe it's TV or sports or whatever. Hobby. You just, and every time there's a drawing to that, you just stop and you pray. And you just say, God, as much as I think I need that in my life, I need you more. And so it's going to be a very powerful time. We're gonna, uh, now listen, don't be doing like a girly fast. You know, like, 
okay, pastor, I'm going to fast uh, broccoli and liver. Like, and you hate broccoli and liver, right? Don't be doing something like that. Um, uh, find, find something that's, you know, you pray about that. And we're going to have two times, Monday through Friday, each day, 6.30 and 12 in the chapel over here. We're going to have, uh, well, staff will be in there. We're going to have times of prayer. You can just stop by on your way to work or stop by at noon. Maybe for some of you, you just fast one meal a day. Maybe it's lunch. And during that time, maybe you could pop in here, spend some time in prayer. And I want us as a church to focus our attention on God as we lead up during this Lent season to this very special day that we're going to celebrate. And our main goal in this is that we would seek, come on, listen to me, that we would seek the heart of God for the next chapter of our church. And so uh, turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you need this. You need, just tell them, you need this. All right. All right, let me jump in because I've got I've to go through this. Our theme, our theme during this season of prayers of the Bible is going to be this verse in Ephesians chapter, no, you had it, 618. And it says, pray in the Spirit in every situation. So in other words, prayer is not just something we do here at church. Prayer is not just something you do, you know, right before your meal. Prayer is not just something, you know, we do during a service. Um, I can pray at work. I can pray in my car. I can pray in the shower. I can pray before a, a test. Can I get an amen, right? Um, and, and, and so you're just like, in every situation, Paul just encourages us to pray. And then he goes to this next phrase, use Every, isn't this interesting, every kind of prayer and request there is. And what I'm going to do in this series is show you some different models or patterns of prayer that you could use in your prayer life. Um, and Because uh, like some of you, you have no idea. Like if I were to call you out right now and I would just say, hey, I want you to stand up and pray for our service. And you'd like just pass out, right? <laughs> you wouldn't know. You'd just be like, you know, and some of you are thinking, you're not going to do that, are you, Pastor? Uh, but Because we don't know what to say. And so I'm hoping this series will help us in that. Uh, and today what I want to do is I just want to give you one model. And in your notes, there's six words or phrases we're going to look at today that draw our attention to. And then we're going to look at the seventh one that kind of leads us into the presence of God, which is where we want to be. And I'm hoping that this model will just be like an encouragement for you. Be like maybe fresh air to your spirit in the area of prayer. So um, let's just jump in. Um, what happens is, is that uh, we're going to look at today this idea of Moses' life and how God called Moses to lead a group of people. He leads them out of bondage of Egypt. He's leading them out through the desert. And there is a pattern of prayer based on his life. And out of this bondage, God calls them. And then he gives a vision to Moses for his people during this time of prayer. And, and I'm just saying, this is what we need. We need God's vision for our days ahead. So God directs Moses to build a tabernacle uh, or a temporary house of prayer on their journey to where God is taking them. And uh, later, the tabernacle was like a tent, and it was a temporary thing. Later, Solomon would build a temple where God's presence would dwell um, and because in those days, God would dwell in buildings. But aren't you glad? Come on, Gary, say amen. Aren't you glad today that God doesn't dwell in buildings? God wants to dwell inside of you and me. Amen? Um, so here's the verse in Exodus. We're now in Exodus. We're on this journey. And um, God says to Moses in chapter 25, verse 8, 
have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary that I can live among them. And this is what God wants for you. He doesn't want to just like be here at the church and then you show up on Sunday and he you know, kind of makes himself known. No, he wants to be with you all through your week. He wants to have a place in you where he can be close to you. And then he says, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly to, now watch this, the pattern I will show you. And so he builds this temporary tabernacle, which is called the tent. And here's a picture of what it kind of looked like. Um, that kind of gives you a kind of a visual. And so they would move along. They had God that would lead them. And he would, he would, they would take this up. They, they would, uh, parts of Israel would camp on each side. And then when they would leave, and they were marching on to the vision where God was leading them, they would take that tent up and they would move it on. And wherever they got, they just set that up because they wanted God's presence with them. And inside the tent, you'll see, was a smaller tent, kind of that brown colored tent. And that tent uh, was called the Ark of the Covenant. And this is where God would dwell, his presence would dwell inside the tent because they couldn't handle his glory, his full glory. And so he dwelt in this tent. And what they had to do is, in order to get into God's presence, they had to go past these six pieces of furniture that we're going to talk about Today, stay with me, um, this is important. It is the pattern of prayer. And so in Exodus 33, 11, it says, Inside the tent of the meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And I'm just going to tell you right up front, my goal for you is this verse right here, is that you would come to a place in your prayer life that it would become so meaningful it's like God is right there with you, and you see him as a friend, face to face. So here's the pattern that I want to give you, and it's based on the six pieces of furniture that were inside the tabernacle. And the first one is this, the outer court. That's the big area, the big tent. The outer court is to give God thanks. So when you came to prayer, when you came before God with your big like to-do list, like, God, here's all the things that I need. I need for you to heal me. I need you to do this. I need finance. I need resources. I need you to do this to my kids. I need to, you know, I need, I need all this stuff here. I want to pray for emotional healing. Here's a list of all the people I'm praying for. Um, here's a list of people that I want to pray a curse against, right? You've done that, right? And, uh, and it's like, no, no, no. Before you tell God what you want, you thank him. You thank God for what he has already done for you. You thank God for what you already have. And by the way, every one of us in this place have been given plenty. See, gratitude takes you into God's presence. Gratitude will get you out of your mess. Gratitude will get you out of depression. It will get you out of sickness. It will get you out of discouragement. It will get you out of addictions. It gets you out of relational struggles. Gratitude does that. Start with gratitude. Give God thanks. So this is a prayer model. First thing is what? You come to God in prayer, just give him thanks. And you don't have to spend like hours doing this. You might take 60 seconds and you might, like for me, one of the things that I do, the first thing I do is I thank God for my salvation. I thank God for my uh, wife, my kids. I pray for them by name. I thank God for my children. My, or my grandchildren, and, and I thank God for my church, and I just start thanking him for things. And, uh, and, and man, as I start to do that, there's this rich gratitude that grows in me. Gratitude turns what you have into 
enough. Gratitude says, I have some things that I need maybe in my life, but Lord, if you never did anything else for me ever, you have already done enough, and I am very thankful, right? Because you, what has God done? God has saved my soul. He turned my life around. He gave me a new start. He gave me a passion to serve him. He gave me a great church. He gives me friendships. He gives me brothers and sisters in Christ. If you never did another thing for me, Lord, it is, it is all right because you have already done enough. That is a spirit of gratitude. And then the psalmist said, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Listen, come to God tomorrow morning in prayer. And the first thing I want you to do is just stop, take 30 seconds, and give him thanks. Just list out some things and give him thanks for it. Then as you would walk through the court, you would come to some pieces of furniture inside the tent. And the first one was what was called the brazen altar. It was a pretty large altar. I think we got a picture of it coming up here. There it is. And as people would walk by this, this was kind of a gross thing because there would be carcasses lying around it of dead, burned animals. There would always be on this altar a sacrifice. There would be blood coming down from the side of the altars. There would be fire in the altar that would be uh, taking the sacrifice and it would be consuming these animal sacrifices because blood had to be spilled for the sins of the people. So watch, people had to literally walk by that on their way into the presence of God. Walked by dead animals, walked by blood before you could come into the presence of God because you had to be reminded in order to come before God, something had to die. So let's look in then at the Old Testament, but what about the New Testament? What is the model here in the New Testament? Well, it's the cross. We sang about it this morning, right? The only reason we can stand in God's presence today is because of the cross. Amen. I mean, that's it. The, the, it reminds us that Jesus Christ took our sin. He took our punishment. He took my guilt. He put it on himself on the cross. In fact, the Hebrew writer said, because of what Christ did, I can now come back boldly with confidence into the presence of God. Why? Because Christ died on the cross. And in prayer, what, what we do is we just stop and we thank him, and then we stop and we remember the cross. We pause and think about the horrible beating that he took for you and he took for me, a beating that Scripture says beat him so bad that he was hardly recognizable as a human being. It would remind the people a lot of what they saw when they walked by that altar and saw those dead animals that you could hardly tell what they were. This is how Christ was because of the fact that he went to the cross. And you have to pause and think about the horrible things that he went through on our behalf. Romans 5, 6 says, when we were utterly hopeless, utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for sinners. And before I ever ask him for anything, I stop and remember what I have most to be thankful for, and I am reminded of the cross. Because prophetically, 700 years before Isaiah said it would be him, he, Jesus, who would be pierced for our transgressions, he would be crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are 
healed. What does that mean by his wounds? It's the blood. It's his brokenness. It's his extent of his life on the cross that we find spiritual healing. This is why, listen, listen. This is why we will take communion today. It's not just something we do once a month. It's not just some ritual. It's not just something we do and check a list. No, no, no. It is for us to pause and remember each time what Christ did on the cross. And when you hold those elements in your hand, it should humble you and it should break you and it should fill your heart with thanks. Is anybody in here thankful for the cross? See, I often pause here when I'm praying, and this one I do a lot in a lot of different models, but I'm just thankful for the cross. A lot of times I'll stop and I'll, I'll sing, so I've got to like maybe just start, a song will come to mind, or I have playlists, a lot of songs that we'll sing in here I've got on a playlist, and maybe I'll just start playing some songs that remind me of the cross, or I'll just, you know, I'll just start singing a song like, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And when you are reminded, or singing songs like we did today about the cross and the blood, and when you're reminded of the price that he paid for your sins, here's what happens. Your troubles seem to like fade away. And, and if you want to get through life, and if you want to get through your struggle, and you want to get through whatever you're going through, you've got to keep your eyes continually on the cross. You'd move past that altar and you would come to the next piece of furniture was what was called the laver. It was like a, uh, it was like a big basin full of water. It, it was made out of brass and mirrors so that when it had water in it and you looked into it, it was like you were looking in a mirror. You'd like, you'd like see yourself. Ever get up in the morning like this morning and you go to the mirror and you just look at yourself and you're like, oh Lord. Come on, can I get a witness? Like, oh Lord. I got beat up with an ugly stick last night in the middle of the night. And then you're like, you're like help me, Lord, help me, Lord. Uh, and so they would start, they would come up to this basin and they would start washing themselves, parts of their body, to get clean before they came into the presence of God. Well, what was that about? Well, I love this because this third one is it's where the labor represents where I offer every part of my life to God every day. Lord, Lord, I come before you right now and I'm just, I want you to wash my mind. Lord, may my thoughts today be pure. May my thoughts be good and wholesome. May I think things that are, that are honorable and worthy. I pray you protect my mind. Wash away any impurities in my life today, God, that come into my mind. Help me to think, God, God put a, Put a guard on my mouth. I pray for my mouth today that the words that I say would be holy and pleasing to you. That I would say things not to destroy people, but to lift people up. That I would say things today, Father, that would not be gossip, but that I would be an encouragement to others. They would just work their way down. Lord, Lord, I pray for my eyes. Help my eyes to see only what is good today. May, may I see things that are just pure. Protect me from the evils. Here's one for you. Protect me from the evils of the internet, O oh Lord. Protect my eyes. You use my hands today, God. You created these hands to do good works for you. May my hands today be pleasing to you. May I use my hands today to work 
heartily for you and honor you. And may all the things that I do with my hands today be done to do good for you and for others. Lord, my feet. Wash my feet today, God, so that they are clean. Take me to places only where you want me to go. May my steps be ordered by you, God. I, I just give him my body. I, I allow him to wash me. It's the psalmist that said, search me, God. Know, know everything about me. See if there's anything unclean in my life. You pray that way. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is, watch what he says here, this is your spiritual act of worship. Because God doesn't want dead animals anymore. You know what he wants? He just wants you. <laughs> um, he just wants you. And so my question is, do we have any... 100% sold out Christ followers here today that say, God, every day, I just offer you everything that I am. So you're walking on. Next, next, next piece of furniture you'd come to is this seven-pronged candlestick. It's called, maybe you've seen it, called the menorah, the Jewish candlestick. Um, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it represented fire. It represented power. It represented cleansing. It represented anointing. It represented uh, gifts, and, and it represents in its entirety, it represents the Holy Spirit. And so in the candlestick, I invite the work of the Holy Spirit in my life every day. Every day, I just invite the Holy Spirit to come in. Holy Spirit, today, fill me. Come on, we're talking about prayer. If you're not interested in prayer, you probably just snooze on out or check your email. But if you want to improve your prayer life and you want to draw into the presence of God, one of the things you do is you come to the place where you invite the work of the Holy Spirit daily in your life. Fill me today. Stir me today. Work in me today. Bring somebody along my path. Convict me today, Holy Spirit, of some sin, some selfishness in my life. Open a door, here, here's a good one, open a door, Lord, for someone that can come into my life that I can maybe invite on April the 5th. I was in a bank this week, yay banks, and, um, and, and I was there and I was doing some business and over here some guy and somehow we started talking and he goes, are you the, are, are you the pastor of the Nazarene church? <laughs> I can't go anywhere. It's like, what? Yes. I, see, I got to be careful what I say because everybody knows who I am. And he said, hey, I'm, come on, watch this. He said, hey, I'm coming to your church. I said, really? He said, yeah, I'm coming to your church. I said, why? <laughs> and he said, and then it clicked because somebody told me they were trying to think of who would they invite and, you know, who, who Holy, you know, who, and, and kind of praying the Holy Spirit would open a door and he said, well, this guy from your church was in here, and we started talking, and next thing I know, he just invited me to come. And I said, why not? <laughs> He's coming. He said, I'm coming. And we struck up this conversation, and it was just beautiful. Well, where does that come from? See, those moments come because you are inviting every part of yourself to the Holy Spirit, and you're just saying, Holy Spirit, use me today, open doors Provide for me. Help me to see. Here's a good one. Help me to see somebody in need. 
Help me to see somebody that's hurting or struggling so I can be an encouragement and a blessing to them. If you're a business leader, you ought to pray every day, day, Holy Spirit, show me how I can uh, lead my company to be Jesus' employees. Show me how I can help them. Help me to be kind and compassionate and tender to them. See, look for their needs. 2 Timothy said in chapter 1, verse 6, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift the spirit of fear and t- uh, uh, spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us the spirit of fear and humility, timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. You know, a lot of what I do when you come in here is I'm trying to, there's a little bit of flicker of a flame in some of you, I hope. And it's like almost gone out of the week. And I'm trying to like, I'm trying to get that baby going, all right? And this is what Paul's talking about. All of you have spiritual gifts whether you use them or not. In fact, a lot of you have spiritual gifts and you're not using them. And Scripture says one day we'll stand before God and he's going to say, like, what would you do with what I gave you? Uh, I listened to Pastor Tim. I didn't do what he said, but I listened to him. He's not very good, but his wife's cool, you know. You know, you're, you're, every day you're asking the Holy Spirit to show you ways that you can use the gifts he's given. Holy Spirit, you're asking him every day, Holy Spirit, help me to be a better husband. Holy Spirit, help me love my husband with a godly love today. Holy Spirit, may I be kind to my children today. May I not, with my voice and my actions, push them down and oppress them. Holy Spirit, help me be better person. Someone once said, the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. <laughs> I love that. And so you're walking through, you know, you're kind of, you're giving thanks and you're coming, you know, you're, you're looking at the, you're, you're just giving thanks to God and you're, you're, you're coming before him. You're, you're, you're trying to get to his presence and, 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 and you're, you know, you're, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to use you. You're praying, Holy Spirit. Use. And then the next one was this. As they make their way along, they would come to a table. It's called the table of shoe bread. And on that table would be 12 loaves of freshly baked, hot, good-smelling bread. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you walk in, you know, like you walk in, anybody, you walk in a bakery and you smell that. There's something about hot bread once it's just been made. And you're like, just cancel my day. Give me a slab of butter and some jelly. And it's a, it's a God-given day, right? And so they would walk by and they would smell that bread. And do you know what that was supposed to represent? The bread? God's word. God's word. Claim the promise. The table of shoe bread was all about claiming the promises of God's word. It's why when they left uh, Egypt and they had the Passover, he would say, write down the words and teach it over and over. Do you know why they have Passover? It's to sit and tell the stories of how God freed them, how they were in bondage, how they were enslaved. God sent the death angel. God did the ten plagues, freed them, set them across the desert, walked them through the Red Sea. It was to remind them of God's promises and the way God had proved himself true in their lives. Every day you need the promises of God in your life. See, I'm trying to help some of you, and you don't even know how much I'm trying to help you at this point. You need the word in your life Vicki and I read through the Bible every year. It's just one of the things we do. We have different devotionals we go through, but there's, you know, I use the Bible app, version, and so I've got a plan right now. I'm just going through the Bible, reading through the Word, 
And daily, we just feed on it. I get a little bit of Old Testament. I get a little bit of New Testament. I get a psalm. I get a proverb. I'm really thankful for the proverbs and the psalms because right now I'm going through 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and it ain't too encouraging, all right? It's just like the beget. So, uh, um, and he often, here's the thing. Listen to me. Some of you, this is why you need to be in the Word. Often, almost every day, he will give us a verse we need for the day. You know what it was this week? <laughs> Psalm 39.4. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of days and remind me how fleeting my life is. And I read that verse and I would just, because, you know, I'm realizing life does go by very quickly. And I get my phone out. And I'm reading through it, and I, I just pulled my phone out. And I just went to my pictures, and the first one is a picture of my wife and my kids. And um, I'm just reminded how they were such small kids, and now they're like grown men and women, and they're like got kids of their own. And I'm like, it just seemed like yesterday. And all of a sudden, my heart just grows with love and thankfulness for them. I start flipping through, looking at you know, pictures of uh, people in this church in my directory I've got. And my heart was just thankful for all the things. And, and, you know, and, I, and tears started filling my eyes. And in that moment, listen, one verse that I just read and I paused and I said, God, apply this to my life today, this one verse. And all of a sudden in that moment, my heart opened up and grew with so much love. I had tears coming down. And I was thinking about how very quickly my life will pass and I'll be gone. And I'm telling you, here's what the scripture says, how fleeting life is. Scripture like that says that we will be in God's presence. And I was thinking as I'm reading that, and the tears are in my eyes, um, because I get a little emotional when I think about how good God's been to me. And I thought, oh God, I will be in your presence very soon. All I want to do is hear you say, well done. That's all I want for you. I want you to stand in his presence one day and hear him say, well done. And you need, you need, listen, you need his word. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone. We don't live by that bread. He said, we live, we live by the living bread, which is the word of God. You, you eat every day, so eat the word every day. Even just one verse if you have to. Feed on that. I, I learned this a long time ago. What you feed, come on, stay with me. Some of you are about spiritually dead. Listen to me. What you feed grows, and what you starve dies. And there are some of you spiritually not where you used to be, and you could zero back in, and it's because you haven't been feeding your soul, your spirit, with the right stuff. Feed yourself and live by his word. The last piece of furniture you would come to or, or the, the, before you got to the presence of God was what was called the altar of incense. Uh, imagine yourself just walking down the mall and you come by Bed Bath & Beyond. You know what I'm saying? Like those smells, just smell so good. You walk in there, you know, you're trying out all of the stuff they have. If you're, okay, I do that. Um, anyway, um, Scripture tells us that incense to God is worship. So a while ago, while we were worshiping, 
like, like some of you were real uncomfortable when we were sitting there and there was like, you know, they were giving us an opportunity just to be in God's presence quietly. Some of you are a little uncomfortable with that, but a lot of you were worshiping. And here's what it said. In that moment, though nothing else was going on, there was this fragrance of worship going up to God. And God, it got God's attention. And God said, I like that. And in that moment, God, God can lift us up. Worship is different than praise. Praise is when you're thanking God for something that he did for you. Worship, though, is when you're worshiping for who he is. Big difference. It's not for what he did for you. It's who he is. Worship isn't like, thank you, Lord, for my food. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my wife. No, 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 no. It, it, worship is if I never had anything else from you, you are worthy. That, that his worth has nothing to do with you or what you have been given. And this is so humbling. Sometimes I'll sit and kneel. Or, or, or sometimes I'll just sit in worship and it comes from this passage that says, come, let us bow the psalm. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. It's a posture of humility. I love this quote that I heard a long time ago that simply said, a man on his face can never fall from that position. Humility. Lord, you, you don't have to do anything else for me. You are worthy. Once in a while, we'll get a text from one of our kids. And uh, it will simply say, now my kids, my kids call me pops unless they really need something or they're serious. And in that case, they call me daddy. Which I love because, you know, the Bible talks about Abba, Father. And a translation of that is daddy. And when we need something, we come to Abba, Daddy. And so, uh, but they'll text me sometimes, and I'll get a text in the middle of my day. I'll be like in the middle of a hundred things, and I'll see it's a text, and I'm like, I don't have time to look at it. And I'll look at it, and I'll stop everything, because the text will just say this. Pops, dot, 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 love you. I stop everything for those words. I love you. They're, they're not asking for anything. But those three words grab my heart like nothing else does, and the same is true with God. Your expression of love via worship, when you're not asking him for anything, you're just worshiping him, it moves his heart like nothing else does. So here's your, here's your assignment for tomorrow. You just give him thanks. Take these notes. You start by giving him thanks. Spend 30 seconds giving him thanks. You focus on the cross and realize that only by the cross I can't even take another step. Then you, you're like, God, I just give myself to you. Use me today. Holy Spirit, check me today. Fill me today. Help me today. May your word feed my spirit today. And I give you my worship because you are worthy. And then Scripture says when we go through all of that, it leads us into his presence and his power. And you know this last one, this is the, this last one is the ark. Like, got any Indiana Jones fans out there? Oh, three of us, okay. Um, well, he's got a new movie coming out, so you need to just get with it, all right? And, uh, and, and so you know this one, it's the ark. And when you come face to face with God, so you've done those other six things, you've done those six things, now it brings you into the presence of God. What do you do? 
You come into God, you're finally in his presence, and you're like, oh, God, I want to, here's all the things I need now. No, no, no. You know what I find? I come to God with a list this long, and by the time I do those other things and I'm face-to-face with him, my list is pretty stinking short. Because all I want to do is be in his presence. And when you are in his presence, you intercede for others. You step into his presence to make your case for someone else. Listen, I do this for you every day. I intercede for people, many of you in our church. I do that, I do that every day. Praying early in the morning, God, so-and-so needs healing today. Would you just touch them, God? God, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you, Father, for grace, for financial needs, because there are some people that can barely make it, and they, they need you to move in their life. Lord, Lord I'm, I'm, I prayed that for somebody this past week, and I got a text from them, and they said, uh, they didn't know I was praying for them, and, and they said, hey, I just wanted to let you know I got a raise this week. <laughs> See, Lord, I'm interceding for people that many that have children and their children are like wayward or they're struggling trying to raise them I'm just praying God place someone in their lives maybe to help them to draw them to God God I, I pray for our church I pray that here's a prayer I'm praying a lot give us your vision oh God not our vision not my vision give us your vision I'm pleading with you I plead with God often Especially before services when I'm sitting down here waiting, I'll pray because I know there are people in this place with horrible emotional scars. And I'll just be like begging, God, there are some who have been beaten down and battered by life. Would you draw them close to you today? This this idea of interceding, I was was sitting down here this morning and then all of a sudden the scripture popped into my mind. It's talking about Jesus, what, you know, Paul's saying how we're more than conquerors. How are we more than conquerors? Well, you know, what are we going to say in response? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he didn't even spare his own son, and he's going through this list. And then he he said, uh, it is God who justifies, who um, who then is the one who condemns? No one. God's not condemning you. For Christ Jesus, who died who was raised to, the, raised to life. Come on, watch this. Who is at the right hand of the Father right now interceding for you. Here, here's Jesus in the presence of God. What's he doing? He's interceding. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. There is a great power and presence of God when we intercede for others because it's not about us. We come into this holiness and we give him worship and we give him thanks and then we begin to pray for others. See, it's just a model of prayer. You can take your notes and throw them away. If you got a better model, bring it to me. I would love to see it. We'll go through some other models that are good models, but here's a model for you to try. And just take your notes and try it and walk through those six steps and see how it brings you into the presence of God. Let me give you two words that should be or must be who we are as a church. Two words. Pray first. Pray first thing in the morning. Pray first. You get a text or an email before you respond. This is a great one for some of you. Pray first. You're getting ready to respond to your children. You're getting ready to respond to your wife. There's anger. Stop and pray 
first. We are nothing apart from prayer. And I love this statement that I'm going to end with, and it is prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just want to intercede for people right now that I have come to love. I know that in this place today are so many different needs. I mean, I know what some of them are. There's some that are hurting financially. I know that. I'm interceding for them right now. Your provision would be more than enough for them that you would surprise them. Like my friend this week that just out of nowhere, a raise came. I pray that whatever need they have, you would meet that need so that they can worship you with it. I'm praying for people that have physical issues right now and there are some that have it and it's lasted a long time and it is discouraging. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, I'm begging, I'm begging you, God, your Holy Spirit would draw close to them today and they would feel the power of God in their life. I'm pleading for marriages today, God. Make them whole. Put down the weapons and stop fighting against each other and may they have so much love for each other, it just consumes them. I pray for people today with emotional scars. They've been hurt by life. They have issues in their past. They have been abused. But God, you are a God that can heal our mind. And I'm praying right now, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to clean some minds today. We pray in Christ's name. Help us this week, Father. As we look at our prayer life, teach us new ways to pray this month. May we look back and say March was an incredible experience of the power of God in our lives because of prayer. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask those that help us with communion if they would come just now. You don't have to be a member to receive communion. It's for every follower of Christ who has been forgiven of their sins. As the ushers serve you, they're going to pass you a tray, and in the tray in the middle is a container that's just got little wafers. If you take one of those that represent the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and then take the cup, the easiest way is if you take the tray first, pass it to the person next to you, and then take the, the elements, it would be much easier. And then if you'll hold those, and what I would like for you to do as you hold those, I would like you just to spend a moment reflecting on the cross that we talked about a few moments ago, reflecting on the price that Christ paid for your sins, the beating that he went through, the blood that was shed so that your sins could be forgiven. And while that's happening, I just want you to have a spirit of thanks and praise to God. This is where you focus on him, focus on the cross. Scripture says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. But I love this last verse, phrase, but by his wounds we have been healed.